Hey, before today's episode, I just wanted to take a moment and address you all. Uh, First, I want to say thank you for your patience, as it's been a couple of months since I've been able to get an episode published. Life has very much gotten in the way. Over the last few months, my family and I have been in a transition and are now preparing to relocate. And I'm actually very excited to be moving to rural Saskatchewan, in part because that's where Nellie spent much of her life. But I also want to take a moment and thank all the people who've reached out to me over the last few months as they've encountered this show. Hearing from distant relatives and friends of Nellie's that I've never met has been a wonderful blessing to me and is such a testament to the woman that unites us all. The stories that are being shared and the reminiscing that is taking place is truly humbling. And on that note, if you have a story of Nellie or her family that you think would be a good fit for the show, please drop me a line. The easiest way to do that is to search for Woe Nelly on Facebook. You can like the page and get notified of new episodes, as well as message me with your ideas and stories. And then lastly, while I'm so very happy to be able to find the time to return to this little labor of love, I do so under difficult circumstances. As the world adopts new phrases like social distancing and self-isolation, I hope to be able to publish episodes on a more regular basis. I hope that these stories will be both a distraction and a reminder of how faith and resolve can help a person through even the toughest situation. If Nellie were still here, I have no doubt that she would have a story about how she once faced something similar and made it through by sheer willpower. Surely we can do the same. Thank you for listening and helping keep Nellie's memory alive. Now, go wash your hands. Irving had never had much luck with the ladies. Not that he much cared, mind you. He was a simple man, a humble man. Much like the woman he would come to love, he was known by many names throughout his life. His given name was Ernest, but as a boy he was affectionately known as Dutchie. When he first began to talk, his family would tease him about speaking double Dutch. And the details of why are lost to history, but later in life, he settled on using his middle name and was known as Irving until his death. The fourth of eleven children, his father and grandfather had been tailors in South Dakota and Minnesota, and so it was a natural assumption that Irving would follow them into the family business. But Irving never really developed a like for the trade, and so when his father decided to move them to rural Saskatchewan in 1911, Irving was happy that the family business was changed to farming. They settled on a farm near the town of Congress, and Irving attended the local school until he completed grade 8. At that point, as was common in those days, he then left school to work on the family farm full-time. Rather than work the fields, though, Irving showed a knack for mechanical work, and so his job became looking after the machines and farming implements. Of course, the isolation of shop work didn't help him with his luck with women. With little to no opportunity to meet anyone, much less a young lady, people began to wonder if Irving Hilmer would be a lifelong bachelor. Irving didn't much mind this reputation, mind you. He was a quiet man and solitude suited him just fine. He eventually became an electrician and was quite content working on his own day in and day out. But then, as is common in these stories, for better or worse, the local Baptist church proved to be a catalyst in life-altering events. Having not yet discerned his own call into pastoral ministry, 
Irving was serving as the church clerk. When the church needed a new minister, it was Irving's job to extend a formal invitation. He just happened to send his letter of invitation to a minister from Ontario named Robert Watson. Robert seemed to be a good fit for the church in Congress. Oh, and it just so happened that Robert had two daughters. But surely that was coincidental. Nellie was 17 when she made the trek from Ontario to rural Saskatchewan in 1925. They traveled by rail to Moose Jaw and were met by two men from the church who drove them to their new town. While they waited for their belongings, they stayed in the home of the Noreens. Nellie recounts in her book of memories what those first days were like for her and her sister Dora. She wrote, Quite a few young people came to the Noreens to see the new preacher's girls, Henry Heimrich and Irving Hilmer among them. In these sorts of stories, it seems that it's always love at first sight, and this one is no different. Just not for Nellie and Irving. Henry fell in love with Dora right away, Nellie recounts. But Irving and I didn't hit it off for about two years. We will never know if, in fact, their love was a slowly developing one, or whether Irving simply had to prove to Nellie that he was every bit as stubborn and persistent as she was. But three years later, the church clerk became the minister's son-in-law. In a life so defined by ministers and churches, of course the newlyweds spent their honeymoon in the church's parsonage. Having now discerned a call to ministry, the newly minted Mr. and Mrs. Hilmer set out for Bible school in Three Hills, Alberta. For those of you paying attention to dates, Nellie and Irving were married one year before the start of the Great Depression. How they made it through those days are story for other days. But by now it should come as no surprise that Nellie's life was marked by a roller coaster of joy and difficulty. If there's one lesson to be learned from all of this, though, it's this. If you aren't having any romantic luck, perhaps the answer is to hire a minister with daughters. Until next time, I'm John Sherman. See you along the way.